Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. The more the industry can work together to develop common frameworks on how to leverage the latest innovations in technology and apply to compliance, the better it is for everyone. Today's episode is a special one, produced in association with Smash, a US-headquartered technology firm providing global financial services companies with the tools to capture, store and monitor their communications. Today's guest outlines why it's imperative that regulators and the financial services firms they supervise work together now to determine industry best practice for modernising compliance. He also explains how it's possible for city firms to continue to prioritise innovation in their back office in today's tough economic environment. And he details the common mistakes finance bosses must avoid when seeking to more closely track their employees' mobile communications amidst a widespread regulatory clampdown on firms' use of encrypted messaging apps like WhatsApp. Gautam Nadella oversees technological innovation and commercial strategy as Chief Product Officer at Smash. Hi, Gautam. Welcome to Following the Rules. Hi there. Nice to be here. Let's start with a brief introduction. For those listeners who might not be familiar with Smash, could you give us a brief run through of what services you provide and to who? Sure. So Smash is a market leader in regulatory compliance software for financial services. We help our clients store, monitor and analyze communications, both for regulatory compliance as well as extracting intelligence out of communication data to derive insights that help them run their business more effectively. We have a very wide spectrum of customers with more than 7,000 customers in financial services. And our clients are global from US to Europe to Asia. We serve everyone from small investment advisors to the largest banks in the world. Okay. I imagine given your role, you spend a significant period of your daily work life speaking to clients about their concerns. What's topping their list at this moment? I'd say top of mind for many of our customers. Starting this year, we are entering a period of uncertainty from a global macroeconomic outlook coming on the heels of what was this difficult second half of 22. So I think everyone's essentially been planning for it and compliance does not stop whether it's a great macroeconomic environment or a tough one. So a lot of the challenges our customers have are in ensuring that their compliance programs are keeping up with risk that they see at a corporate level and their regulatory compliance in such a challenging environment and where budgets tend to get tighter. So they are essentially dealing with this duality of where they do have to be more conservative in their financial planning, but at the same time, they do have to keep expanding their compliance programs. So what advice do you have for clients as to how they balance that need to continue their compliance processes and also cut costs? I'd say starting with 2020, when COVID hit, compliance teams have already had to adapt to a massive explosion of communication tools and as people work from home. So that expansion has been happening. The question now is, how do you keep expanding to keep up with those changes in this environment? I think the best thing most firms can do is not take their eyes off the modernization of their compliance stack, the layers of software that service compliance. If you do not modernize the compliance stack, most teams will have challenge in keeping up with the vol- volume and the variety of data that exists today. 
So if you want to be in a good place in two to three years from now, the process has to start now. The best advice I can give and how to do that in a tough budget environment is not to have fragmented decision making in your institutions, because that leads to a fragmented stack and a lot of inefficiency. The best thing most institutions can do is to look at the whole thing holistically. How do you actually ingest all of your communication data? How do you store it? And how do you make it available to supervision or surveillance or any of the intelligence you want to extract from that data? If firms look at only one part of the picture, it creates duplication of costs. So especially in a tough budget environment, it's incredibly important to plan ahead, but also to have a unified strategy. And certainly from a smart standpoint, we spend an incredible amount of time thinking about how to help our customers do that. This is why our communications intelligence platform is a fully integrated stack all the way from capturing data to storing it to delivering communications intelligence enabled by ML. And as you said, all this follows a two-year pandemic, which aside from causing its own fair share of compliance challenges for financial services companies, it also forced the industry to significantly ramp up innovation in their compliance and risk functions. What innovations in the past two years do you think will have the most profound impact on the way in which financial services firms handle compliance? Look, it is a tough environment for everyone, large institutions, small institutions, vendors, everyone. The amazing thing is that the rate of change in the technology landscape has been tremendous. There have been some very significant advancements in the last three years. I'll name a few. So one is the adoption of cloud, the infrastructure that is used to analyze all of this data. In financial services, more and more of that is moving to the cloud, and that has significantly accelerated in the last two to three years, up to the point where I believe in about two years, when we look at all the data, greater than 50 to 60% of all infrastructure will eventually start moving or will move to the cloud. Because now, for most part, financial services institutions and regulators across all of that spectrum, it's well understood that cloud is the most secure and the most scalable way to manage infrastructure and financial services. Now, why does it matter for compliance? In some ways, it democratizes access to innovation. It is very hard for us as a vendor, for example, to deliver our latest innovations in a rapid manner to our customers when we have to work through layers and layers of infrastructure controls that happen to exist when it's run inside a private data center. In the cloud, we do thousands and thousands of small releases at any given week or month. And that's because cloud makes that easy. And so what that does is it makes innovation immediately accessible and democratizes access because for a compliance team, you're actually spending your time on that next layer, which is how do I manage all of this data? How do I generate analytics and make it available to my teams? The second important change in technology landscape and innovation is really in AI and machine learning. I think we've been talking about using AI and ML in compliance for about five years now. It started with early experiments, very localized experiments to certain firms like Digital Reasoning, which now is part of Smarsh, pioneering the use of ML and applying it in compliance. Now that has transcended to wide adoption. One of the things that was holding back is ML is great, but in compliance, if you can't explain it to regulators, it is not good enough. This does not need to exist anymore. The rapid advancements in ML, it's really come to the point where it's just mind-blowing what you can do by applying machine learning to many real-world problems. And that's true for compliance too. And you've said a challenge around ML is how to explain it. How do you explain it to those in the sure. industry and to their regulators? 
a typical lexicon would look for a phrase or a particular word because something saying I'll take it offline could indicate something problematic. What I mean by a lexicon, it's dictionaries of those words and phrases that compliance teams look for to detect problematic behavior. The problem with that is the context in which those words and phrases are used is missing. So ML machine learning models are trained on large data sets to not just look for those explicit words or phrases, but also look for problematic behaviors and the context in which those words show up. And that's what we, along with digital reasoning over the last five, six years, have pioneered in compliance. The ability to model those behaviors very specific to what compliance teams and financial services look for. Because the language that traders use is very different than a language an investment banker uses and is very different than someone in technology uses in, even within financial services. So you have to be able to model that jargon. The other thing I'll say is where machine learning models also help. Like if you look at the way you use your iPhone or your Android device, today you're talking to it in your language and it does a lot of things. And you can say it with accent. You can say it with things that bring variety into how you communicate with it. You can use shortcuts, but it detects it all. How is that happening, right? It's really machine learning models that are enabling this. The language models have gotten to a place where they can understand the diversity across languages, across accents, across jargon, idioms. So at Smarsh, we are taking all of those advancements in ML. We are bringing the foundations of those models into compliance to make compliance programs scale with cost. Because now you can go to a compliance team and tell them, hey, build one compliance policy. Let's say it's bribery, it's harassment, whatever it might be. And now you can take it and apply it across all languages, including looking for diversity of accents. So before, what compliance teams had to do was take one policy at a time. And not only do you have a large dictionary of terms, you also have to take that and map that to different languages. Then you have to figure out how to deal with accents and all those things. And so machine learning just essentially accelerates all of that, right? So that's what I'm truly excited about. So we've been bringing some innovations to the market this year. I'm truly excited where it will enable our customers to do that effectively. There has been a tendency to say it's either lexicons or it's ML, right? So the best thing to do in the first step is to say that these two things actually work together. We believe that lexicons give you agility because you can rapidly change and add new keywords and such. ML gives you precision. So a simple example is if you're looking to detect behaviors such as any compliance policy, really bribery or harassment or any of these things, ML can do a semantic match and derive alerts based on the context in which certain phrases are being used. So let's say someone's saying, let's take this offline. You can apply ML to say, what context are people saying that in? Is that something good, something bad? It could be talking about a birthday party or you're actually trying to do something wrong and you're trying to take it to a different place. But that can't come from lexicons, that comes from ML. But at the same time, you can complement that with lexicons for certain things you absolutely have to look for. And lexicons give you a way to argument that ML with changes you can make rapidly in a very predictable way. So when you combine these two things together, you can, with a very high degree of precision, actually explain what is really happening. What is the model doing and how are lexicons protecting you to make sure the models are not actually missing something. So we give tools to our clients to bring them together, to have both precision and agility. The second part of this is, we spend an incredible amount of time building the tools that allow people to run simulations. So models, they drift over time. They're not static like lexicons. 
because data is not static, right? That drift can be good or bad. The communication data and what people do in communication tools tends to evolve. So people do like to get comfort that a model is not drifting in the wrong way. And so you have to keep testing on sample data sets to make sure you detect any drift in those models. So we provide tools to our customers to be able to run simulations on different versions of models. And the output of that, combined with the framework in which you combine lexicons and models, together will give the tools the industry needs to make their use of ML highly explainable. And these tools are increasingly relevant and necessary in the mobile communications surveillance space as well, which is a major compliance challenge in the UK currently. In October, the UK's financial watchdog, the Financial Conduct Authority, said it was in discussions with a number of banks in the UK over their employees' use of WhatsApp. And the FCA's comments there followed an aggressive US regulatory clampdown on bankers' use of text and private messaging apps. That clampdown saw 16 banks fined $1.8 billion for their employees' use of encrypted messaging apps. This is something that has long been expected, an increased regulatory focus on use of these apps, because the use of them has long been well known in the financial services space, but the pandemic arguably accelerated their adoption. What regulatory activity will you be watching in that regard in 2023? And how do you expect this to develop in the coming months? Mobile is a very unique challenge. Let's first talk about why is it such a difficult challenge for institutions. Certainly right now, I would hate to be in the shoes of a compliance team that's dealing with this challenge. But the good news is, again, there are technology solutions for this. And the reason it's difficult, desktop applications we use at work, they're provisioned by your company. One of the things that's happened in financial services over the last few years is firms have shifted from provisioning two forms, one for work, one for personal at one point. Most financial services have said, look, you could use your personal device, but any business you do, you're going to do it on approved tools you install on your personal device. And then firms put a certain boundary around those tools saying, if the employee leaves, we can erase all those tools from their mobile phone remotely. So with that, most firms got comfortable with saying, go use your one phone. You don't have to carry two big things in your pocket. So now one of the side effects of that, you have to also layer in the one thing, which is all of the companies that deliver our services on mobile, so Apple, Google, Android, there's a lot of emphasis on protecting privacy. So a lot of the tools we use on our mobile phone tend to be encrypted. And it is for our own privacy and security reasons, it's very hard to extract data out of those devices. So when you take employees who've said, okay, it's too much work to go use my corporate app inside my mobile phone, my customer is on WhatsApp, or I'm going to text message them an iMessage or on WhatsApp, then you're starting to go outside that boundary firms have defined as approved. And it is very hard to detect that shift because as a firm, you do not have access to WhatsApp because what my personal WhatsApp, no one can get access to it other than me, technically speaking, unless someone hacks my phone. So I've been talking to our customers about this, even in my previous role in my previous company for about four years now. People have known about this problem and have been trying to grapple with it. Obviously, everyone took steps to send communication to their employees saying WhatsApp is not a proof of business. But the problem is people still do use it. And then what regulators are now saying is, how do you monitor and make sure they're not doing that? Which gets into this tussle between compliance and privacy now, right? So what makes this complicated is if you look at Microsoft Teams or Zoom, what we use on desktop, Both of those platforms, and we certainly work very closely with those firms, have very well-defined APIs on how to extract data to feed into compliance tools and surveillance programs. 
In mobile, those APIs don't exist for most of these apps, right? This is why it is such an incredibly difficult challenge because A, the APIs are not well-defined and B, there is this tussle between privacy and compliance. So how are firms dealing with it? What's our recommendation? So I think first step is some firms have gone back to two devices. All work has to be on a corporate device. Then you can extract everything out of that corporate device for compliance. If you go outside the device, essentially it's a fireable offense because you've actually violated a corporate policy. Some firms have continued to say you can use your personal device, but you need to use and make data available to us. If any consumer apps like WhatsApp and others you use for business, we will extract your content and monitor it because we have an obligation to do that from a regulatory standpoint. And we've announced an acquisition about six months back of telemessage Telemessage has been pioneering the ability for corporations to extract content out of some of these consumer apps, obviously in an approved way, and working with some of those companies like WhatsApp and WeChat and others. And so certainly every firm will have different risk tolerance. Across the spectrum, we are making technology available to our customer to extract text messages, whether it's corporate devices, personal devices, in a way that the employee understands that's happening, in a way that firms get comfortable on how to do that, but also from consumer apps. WeChat, WhatsApp, and any of these consumer apps that tend to get used for business. And the first step of the challenge is just pulling all the data in so that you can actually store it for compliance and make it available. The next layer of challenge, which we're actually actively working with a number of firms, is how do you integrate it into surveillance program and detect problematic behaviors? If you look at those fines in the U.S., a lot of those fines are because people were intentionally taking conversations from corporate devices to unapproved consumer apps on mobile phone. But they use certain words and phrases to do that. And how do we actually help when I talked about lexicons and machine learning models? How do we enhance both of those things to detect what we call change of venue and a shift to mobile in a way that can detect problematic behavior? So we're working with a number of our customers to train the models further and also complement with lexicons to detect those kinds of behaviors. But all of these have to work hand in hand. Again, it goes to my previous point. If you just look at the, hey, a regulator is asking me to monitor, I'm just going to do barely enough as a checkbox to ingest this data. That's not good enough. So you have to think about the whole spectrum of use cases and bring it all together. And that's what we do with our customers. Okay. And obviously this requires fairly significant modernization of the tools available to compliance, particularly when you consider the volume of encrypted messaging apps that now exist. How best can bosses within these firms be persuaded to invest in that modernization? Actually, if you do it right, it shouldn't require massive investment across all layers of compliance, right? Because if you actually have an integrated compliance infrastructure, all the way from ingestion to storage to surveillance, then all you're really doing is adding a new data feed in, obviously with some challenges on how to get that data in and from mobile phones. But the rest should happen seamlessly. Today, it, it, what happens is because that infrastructure tends to be fragmented, people go and decide and do something for mobile, then it's still not integrated. That means you have to upgrade the rest of the infrastructure to deal with mobile. So the first thing I'd say is taking a holistic view of your compliance infrastructure and not looking at technology and compliance as two different parts of your firm, but bringing them all together and also archiving and surveillance not as two different use cases. They're actually one use case. And because you have to get data in and store it to actually do anything with the data in the first place. And the industry still struggles with this. That's why I place such an emphasis on it, that when we talk to our customers, 
We here technology team having its own roadmap of modernization and compliance teams have urgent needs around what regulators are asking them to do. And sometimes those diverge. The first step is if you don't let them diverge too far, sometimes they have to, but if you don't let them diverge too far, that there is a holistic approach to where are we going to be five years from now? And I think that will enable the industry. By the way, this continues to happen. It used to be only email. Then it happened to be oh, suddenly in COVID, it exported to Teams and to Zoom and to text, to audio, to video. Now it's mobile. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. Okay, so what are people doing in videos? Are people using gestures? Will regulators say you have to detect gestures in videos? So the surface area of risk will continue to expand. It is just how technology is accelerating today. However, if you continue to live in a fragmented world, it will be impossible for compliance teams to scale in a cost-effective manner. So plan forward, not just the next six months, but next three, four years, develop an integrated view of the entire spectrum of infrastructure that exists. And while you might take different steps to get there, have a holistic view and plan for it. And in, over time, bring all of this together. The second thing I would say is looking deeply at how to apply machine learning and AI, all those innovations I talked about, deeply into compliance programs. That's incredibly important because that I think will ultimately get everyone away from this. I can't scale my program because I don't have the budget, but regulators keep pushing me to do that. I don't know how to do that. A perfect example is voice, right? People in Europe have a requirement to do surveillance of voice, but voice surveillance, the way it's traditionally been done is incredibly expensive to ingest all of that data, to transcribe it, then to apply your compliance policies against it. But machine learning today and AI, the advancements I talk about, make it more cost-effective to do that. So if you don't take advantage of those innovations and work with vendors like Smarsh or others, you're not going to be able to scale. So thinking about that is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Okay, you mentioned how rapidly these communication trends develop and how hard it is for compliance to keep on top of that. And I would like to get to that point. But before we go there, US firms have already navigated the regulatory clampdown on WhatsApp and equivalents. What can UK-based firms learn from their US counterparts in that regard? And did you see any common mistakes playing out on the US side that UK firms could avoid? That's a great question. If anything, the mistakes that happen in the US are looking at this as an isolated problem. Ultimately, if you're a banker or you're a trader, you're going to go where your customers are, right? And if your customers on WhatsApp or WeChat, people are doing that, but people looked at it as an isolated problem. What I think people missed the boat on is this shift to, if you ask me five years back, six years back, I did 10% of my work on mobile. If you ask me now, I do greater than 50% of my work on mobile, right? Like I send emails, I communicate on mobile. I look at a lot of things on mobile, whether it's um, using consumer apps or not. So first thing is not to look at it as an isolated problem. It is a secular shift in employee behavior. And so you have to look at mobile holistically, right? And develop your policies. Are you giving them corporate device? Are you saying bring your own device? And then also... Within that policy, modernizing and leveraging the technology that allows you to monitor all the data and not look at simply as this is a WhatsApp problem or tomorrow it'll be a WeChat problem or something else. So that's what we help our customers do. We help them develop that plan. We encourage them to look at the whole spectrum of use cases. 
Okay, and what does best practice look like in terms of mobile compliance policies in general? Because we've seen a number of approaches favoured by large financial services firms in recent years, varying from outright bans of use of encrypted messaging apps that firms didn't feel they had the tools available to monitor. That meant, obviously, that if there was nefarious behaviour going on, then the, the firms would have absolutely no idea in some instances. And there are also use of multiple devices, a work device and a personal device and policies around that, or a number of firms also set up either their proprietary WhatsApp alternatives that they could monitor and said that all activity had to be through that, or they used other similar tracking tools that were available to other firms as well. What would you say amongst all that best practice looks like in your view? There's no one size fits all, right? That's the first thing to recognize because there's a size of the firm, but also culturally how the firm works. There's generally two broad approaches. You could do a corporate approved device. You could have proof personal use you bring your own device. Different firms have different risk tolerance and approaches to it. But within that, the important thing is to make sure there's a clear boundary between communications you can monitor and communications you cannot monitor. That's true whether it's corporate device or bring your own device, right? So a simple example is with some of the software we are bringing to the market, it is possible to monitor WhatsApp today. It is possible to monitor WeChat And we have those capabilities as well, where firms can provision secure messaging that employees have to use to communicate with customers and their their counterparts inside the company. But there's certain things that's just not possible, right? Like, I don't believe anyone in the world has this ability to actually ingest or monitor iMessages because Apple protects and does not give any backdoors or any other capability to monitor iMessages. So drawing a line between what is actually possible to monitor and what's not is the first step. And then once you understand that within your framework or bring your own device or corporate device, then you can define your policies to say, okay, if you use iMessage for business, that is not approved and that's essentially a fireable offense, right? And that's the most important thing I would say from a best practice and do it that across your whole firm, right? When you take larger institutions, traders work in a different way than bankers. Bankers are mobile a lot of time. Traders tend to be in front of their computers a lot of the time. So there's variances in behaviors. So develop a whole company framework, what's monitored, what's not, then define your policies and then give employees options within that framework. Okay. And you've mentioned the need to set a line between what can be monitored and what can't. And that brings up your points around uh, the challenges that compliance teams face in managing surveillance and privacy at the same time. What tips do you have there? So there's actually a push and pull between compliance and privacy. And one of the things compliance programs have to learn to do is to deal with both of these things, right? On privacy, it's making sure those policies are very well defined, but also your employees understand what you're doing in terms of what communications are being monitored and what are not approved. Because the fundamental tenet of any privacy policies is you actually let the user know first what's happening, right? Now, if you define that boundary clearly... You don't have any more of this problem of, of saying, hey, I need to be compliant. Regulators are asking me to be compliant, but I'm violating my user's privacy. On the, how do I innovate rapidly but deal with the risk that comes with it? It's really about sharing best practices with the rest of the industry. Historically, every firm did its own thing. When it's talk about adoption of machine learning or adoption of cloud, everyone had different views of what it really means, how secure cloud is and things like that. Regulators had their own view. The more the industry can work together to develop common frameworks on how to leverage the latest innovations in technology and apply to compliance, the better it is for everyone. For regulators, it allows them to develop common set of frameworks and policies the whole industry can follow. 
So there's some comfort for a lot of compliance teams in sharing best practices. The industry has not been very good about it. So it's more a large part of certainly from my time and a lot of our company's time, we try to bring all the industry together to develop those best practices. So a couple of examples where we're doing that is cloud, making sure we work with regulators, but also with all of the industry to help everyone understand why cloud is the most secure and scalable way to grow your infrastructure. And what does it mean to get all the approvals? How do we accelerate approvals to modernize your infrastructure and move to the cloud? In machine learning, developing the frameworks for companies, but also regulators to have explainability in the adoption of ML. And what does it really mean? And you don't want that to be a per company thing, right? You want a common framework everyone uses to say, here's what best in class looks like in terms of explainability of how I'm applying machine learning to my surveillance program. And then if everyone can leverage that common framework, then you're not wasting your time thinking through all that. You're actually focused on your compliance program and how to scale it for you as a firm. So the more the industry comes together on those things, the more vendors like ourselves and Smarsh actually enable that collaboration between regulators and the larger industry, the faster people can take advantage of these innovations that are all available today to us. Okay. How would you summarize financial services regulators' understanding of the tools available currently to monitor communications? And what would you say the industry and service providers such as yourselves can do to ensure regulators understand what's achievable here? The technology landscape is evolving quite rapidly. The surface area of risk is also evolving quite rapidly. So it's not just the technology. Regulators are also trying to keep up with the evolution of communication tools and the risk that comes from those tools. So everyone's in catch-up mode. I think regulators are at a really good point about understanding what has happened since people have shifted to working from home. What does it mean to compliance and risk? And how do we work with the industry to make sure they have a handle on that? This expansion of the regulatory regime to mobile is one example of that. Regulators are asking a lot of firms questions around how they're leveraging cloud, do they intend to? But machine learning is where there's more work to do for everyone to work collectively together to say, yes, it's important firms start thinking about it. Machine learning, but how do you actually incorporate it with the right framework and the right controls and explainability? There's a lot of effort still needed to actually work through collaboratively as an industry and for regulators to work with the industry to develop those frameworks. Because you can't just go to a firm and say, we think you should be using machine learning. You're putting the entire burden on that firm without actually giving them a framework to say, okay, what do we expect as regulators in terms of explainability or how you're applying this? And we certainly can help because we've spent so much time researching what's available and what's the right way to use machine learning. But we certainly want to invest a lot of time in working with regulators to help them understand what best practice looks like, what a good framework looks like, and work with the industry more collaboratively on that. You can't just put all of the burden on the compliance teams. I think we have to work together as an industry to develop some common frameworks. Okay, so it's about having an open door policy that the industry can take advantage of to explain the challenges they're facing and what tools are available to them. Right. And uh, Lucy, one example I'll give you, it's not the first time this industry is dealing with something like this. Training went through such a rapid evolution in mid-2000s for a decade. More change happened than it happened in the last 40 years in trading, right? Because You had electronic trading, you went from seconds latency to nanoseconds. Think about the amount of risk that comes from that much change. But what saved the industry is regulators 
technology firms, the industry work really well together to say, how do you leverage the latest and greatest in technology, but make sure we get a handle on risk. So there is a way to do this. And it's not an impossible task. So in compliance, it's time we do that. If I were to say, what's 23 look like? That's the year I think I'm hoping where the industry starts to come together more to develop these common frameworks. For mobile, adoption of machine learning, adoption of cloud, some of the examples we talked about. Okay. And as you've said, right now it's mobile communication that is the appliance challenge for financial services firms. But that's now. And the recurring problem with this space is that there's always the next thing. And now the focus within communications surveillance is on encrypted messaging apps, WhatsApp, WeChat. But the minute a tool is developed to monitor one particular messaging app, then a new one pops up with the intentions of circumventing the eyes of compliance that takes a while for tools to be developed to monitor. And that's just communication surveillance that's just apps and then as you say the next thing could be video and and who knows where else how do you future-proof surveillance programs in such an environment if you're always looking in the rearview mirror and trying to catch up to problems that existed two years back it's very hard to future-proof your infrastructure whilst you have to keep up with what regulators are asking you to do it's important to take a long-term view and stay close to the community of vendors and infrastructure providers to say like where is technology going? And that's what we do all the time, right? We collaborate deeply with cloud platforms. We collaborate deeply with communication platforms. We collaborate deeply with the latest and greatest in machine learning that's coming out with firms that are innovating to understand what's the world going to look like in three years in terms of technology that's available and plan for it, right? So you want to be understanding where the world is going and how it's likely to influence behaviors of your employees, right? And then also understanding what technology is available, where technology is going and making those investments today for the next five years, because changing things in compliance is risky because there's a regulatory obligation to get it right. So it takes time to bring change in. So don't plan for next three to six months, plan for the next three years, five years, and work with the industry, work with companies like Smarish to help with that planning and make those investments today where it will keep you in a good place in four or five years from now. Okay, no small task for your clients. <laughs> but I do think that I'm not alone in this. I'm sure this is a fascinating space to be in. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this all develops and particularly Smarsha's role within that as well, as I'm sure you are too. But in the meantime, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's just been amazing to have this conversation. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.